Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. That we are that trailer for the kingdom of God. The people of God are the sneak peek, are the glimpse into that kingdom of God that we've been praying for. The Lord's Prayer. We pray it, uh, we talk about it, um, but are we living it? We say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then we say this, and Jesus taught us this prayer. It's the disciples' prayer. That's really what it is. He told us to pray this. Your kingdom come, your will be done. But when we pray that, part of the reason we're praying it is so that we will ask the Lord, Lord, let it come through me. Let it come through us or y'all, as we've been talking about the past couple weeks. And so I want to show you this verse. This is from Luke chapter 4. Because we talk about the movie trailer. And Jesus, as he comes in to begin his ministry, he begins to describe, much like a movie trailer, this is what it's going to be like. The kingdom is here. And it begins now. And he starts to point them back to the book of Isaiah. So um, if you have your Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 4. We're still going to have the slides up here. But I think I'm going to start weaning us off the slides a little bit. Because I really want you to have a Bible. I really want you to take one of these and make it yours. Or if you have your own, use it. But when you come, bring it. Because I get the benefit. I get the privilege of being able to really study this word. And there's so much in there. And if you just look at a slide and just hear me telling it to you, you're going to miss out. And so more important than you listening to me is listening to the Word of God and having it right there and having your own that you mark up and you underline and you go back home and look at it. And then, of course, as you look at it, questions are going to pop up and you look for the answers to those questions. You talk with your friends that are also trying to understand God's Word. So this is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, giving us a glimpse at what was about to happen this very day. He walks into uh, this synagogue, which is like a local church. So he's not at the temple in Jerusalem. He's at a synagogue, which is like a church like this. And he walks in, and they had a tradition where they would have uh, these scrolls, Old Testament scrolls. They weren't original. It was a big deal if you were a synagogue that had one. Most did not have any of them written down. Um, they didn't have printing presses, and so you'd have to write them. And most had to go from memory. Because all the, all, as we've talked about before, um, you know, we talk about bar mitzvahs and, and different Jewish traditions. Well, part of their tradition was their training as young people to have the Bible memorized. If you've never heard that before, like they have the Old Testament memorized, like word for word. So they didn't need to have it in there, but they would still bring it out and share it with everyone. And so this is Jesus walking up and grabbing the scroll. He had done miracles. His, his, his fame had begun to spread a little bit. And so they ask him to be the one that reads. So he grabs the scroll from Isaiah 61. So this is in Luke chapter 4, but he's referring back to Isaiah. And this is what Jesus reads. This is what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. That's kind of a nice groove, isn't it? It goes with the scripture. Ryan, where are you? Ryan, you should be up there on the, on the keys right now, busting that out. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. They heard this passage, and they all knew what it referred to. They began to take it for granted. Yeah, that's what we always read. That talks about the coming Messiah. The Son of God's going to come. And when he comes, then he's going to change everything. And his kingdom will reign. And so Jesus reads that, and they kind of do what we often do with certain scriptures. Oh, is that the prodigal son one? Oh, is that Jesus walking on water? Oh, is that when he calmed the sea? Oh, is that when he healed the leper? Like, oh, is that one of those? You just kind of take it for granted. But Jesus reads it, and dramatically, because we had a movie trailer, so I'm sure he did it dramatically. He's quiet, and he rolls up the scroll. He goes, and he sets it down with the other scrolls. And then he goes, and he just sits down. And he sits down, and they all just kind of stare at him. And you can just hear it in the room, like, that was heavy. That's good. That felt good to hear that. Good word. Great sermon, preacher. And then he says this out loud so everybody can hear it. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And you can hear people going, he didn't say what I think he said, did he? No, he didn't say that. It was like I was at a baseball game on Friday, and we had this one crazy parent, you know, that I have those from the other team. And we actually know him because there were two teams from San Clemente. And he's yelling, and he yells this one thing. And I was like, no, there's no way he could have said that. And people were like looking around. He didn't say that, did he? And it was like that slow, like, it was so out of control and inappropriate. That's why there's no way I could ever say it here. And I've cussed here before. There's no way you could say what he said. And then I see this guy, his buddy, go, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, he did. He said what I thought he said. As Jesus is sitting down, he's not cussing, but he's saying, I'm the Messiah. And people are like, wait, did he say, no. Did he mean, I couldn't mean that. That's what he meant. And then shortly after that, they're thinking this is blasphemy. Meaning, like, you can't say this. You're not the son of God because they don't believe yet. But he's saying, I'm here and this is fulfilled. What's fulfilled? Look at what's fulfilled. Good news to the poor. Proclaiming freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor, we hear that, oh, that's great. That meant the Jubilee. You know what the Jubilee is? Probably not. It was a tradition that they had in um, the Jewish culture where when you borrowed money or if you were um, trying to pay off your land or in some way or another, if you had borrowed money, everything goes back to the original person. How cool would that be? They didn't have banks. So imagine that um, I went to Lori, and I said, Lori, hey, if you need to borrow money you know, for that new business you guys are trying to start, you know, I'll, I'll give you a loan. It'll be a six-year loan. Why? Because the year of Jubilee is coming. So I'll give you that six-year loan, and she can't get to it, and it's year seven. I know and she knows. Okay, just keep it. Just keep it. How cool would that be? How many of you have mortgages or debt on your car, and the year of Jubilee you knew was next week, and you never heard about it? Oh, by the way, that's going to be erased. What? Let's go to Mahe and get some sushi. Like, you'd be so excited, wouldn't you? That's what the year of the Lord's favor is in. He's saying it's right now. Now, that doesn't mean you can't pay off your debt, but he's talking about something much bigger than money. We're not talking about money here this morning. He's talking about the way that we are supposed to live among each other. He's in a synagogue with God's people saying, this is how it needs to be with you. You need to live this out, and I'm the Messiah bringing this kingdom, and you're part of that kingdom, and that's how we do. You ever heard that phrase before? That's just how we do. That's how it is in the kingdom of God. This is how we do. 
And I want to show you another verse. We're going to hit a lot of scriptures. 1 John 3, 16. <clears throat> says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for one another. That's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about this trailer leading to something. What are we leading to? We're leading to what Jesus said. And we're leading to this. We know what love is because Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. He didn't just teach. He came, he lived, and he died for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for one another. Like, so often we can say these words, but we don't live them out. My whole hope for us is that we will move closer and closer to living these out, beginning today, to understand this is a priority for us because this is how we do. So what does that look like then? We can talk about it. Um, at the first service, Kim was sharing about the home groups and she said, you know how a lot of times we're up here and we talk about home groups and we talk about what God can do. She goes, I, I kept hearing us talking about these things that would happen if we follow God. I didn't see it until I was in a home group. Before that, I was just talking about it. But this is saying, no, no more talking. Live this way. We ought to lay down our lives for another, one another. We need to do this. But what does it practically look like? Because I'm not going to talk anymore about us needing to do it. What can it look like? Well, let's look at what the early church did. Right away, they started living a certain way. So let's go to Acts chapter 4. And this is a very cool passage because this is a picture of the early church, how they acted with each other, how they looked out for each other. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. Now, that doesn't mean they agreed on everything. Okay? That is never going to happen. In fact, we know clearly from the early church that's not what happened. But when they mean they were one in heart and mind, it means they were one in heart and mind intent on one purpose, which was following Christ, having that attitude and living that out. So what does that look like? No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. Let that sink in for a second. They're saying that none of their possessions are their own. They don't belong to them. Okay? So Tyler has got some nice guitars. Actually, I don't know how many guitars he has, so I'm making this up. But let's say, Tyler, you had four guitars. Okay? Let's say you've got the one you use here when you're leading worship and you've got others. These people would say, hey, you know, it's not my guitar, man. If you ever need it, it's yours. I just need it for Sundays and when I'm playing other stuff, but if you need it, you can take it. Kind of cool, huh? Steve with his editing. Like, you've got, I'm sure you got cameras, right? You don't. So I'm sure some of you guys have some extra video cameras. And you knew that he's one that does video and editing. It's what he does for a living. And you're like, oh, I didn't know. Well, you can use mine because it's not mine. It's ours. What if you started living that way? What if you went to go and get a lawnmower and you decided, you know, I'm going to get one. And my neighbor that just bought a house, I'm going to tell them also, hey, you know what? You don't need to get one. You got mine. Why, would you, why do we need two lawnmowers? Think about all your friends and all of you have lawnmowers. Why do you all have lawnmowers? Really, like, we, don't we share? Think about that. Think through that process. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Which means that the believers themselves would then go around... And they would share what they saw. They saw Christ rise from the dead. We need to share what we've seen. There should be one more slide right after this, Rob. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. 
Now, we're not talking about wanting, okay? Because I can tell you a lot of things I want. Um, but that's, we're talking about needs, like basic human needs. And we have so much. We have so much that there shouldn't be anyone needy among us because we have stuff overflowing. We really do. A perfect example of this, these pants that I'm wearing right now, they're not mine. I actually just found out who they belong to, but they were floating around my house. Let that thing sink in for a second. <laughs> Let that sink in for a second that there's extra clothes that we just have lying around. Think about it when you go to the beach. How many towels have you lost? Or how many times have you gone to your car and go, oh, I left my towel on the beach. Oh, well. I don't want to walk all the way back. Or I saw someone the other day, the tide came up and washed over their towel. Like, that towel's shot. <laughs> what? Think about all the things you just said. Well, that's, forget that. That's no good anymore. Or when you're eating food and you're like, oh, yeah, it's, I'm not going to save that. It's, it's not going to be good. I just, you just don't want to hassle with it because you can't find your Tupperware. You can't find your Ziploc. We just have stuff overflowing. I finally found out who these pants belong to. They said, you know, the, the size on there. And I was like, well, that fits me, but they're not mine. But they're cool. And I'm like, Steph, whose are they? She said, I don't know. So during the first service, I like stood up and I'm like, are these any of yours? Because they're not mine. But I'm wearing them today to, to show that we are not needy people. If we can just find pants lying around and put them on. I had another shirt too. It had a stain on it that I put on it so I couldn't wear that one. But I could have an entire outfit of stuff that doesn't belong to me. We went surfing a couple weeks ago. A pair of sandals. I wear them all the time now. They were there for two days when we were camping. Because someone said, I don't need those, and just left them. We are wealthy. This, this area, this is why when we go around, abroad to other countries or even in other parts, even in San Juan where the La Casa boys are, you realize how wealthy we are. I mean, we have four single dudes living in a house. Okay, Their closets are like this big. And the neighbors, the kids come up and they're like, hey, PT, are you rich, man? Like, that's, that's just down the street. We are wealthy. For from time to time, those who own land or houses sold them. They brought the money from the sales and they put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone in the community of faith that was in need. Want to take it to a heavy level? Max, God did not put this on my heart to tell you you need to do this, but you had a really bad-to-the-bone motorcycle, right? And you had a car, right? So what if God put it on your heart? That's what started happening to these people. The, the teachers didn't go, everyone, give your stuff, bring it here. No, no, no. These people followed the Lord and said, look, it's not mine. It doesn't belong to me. God, what do you want me to do with this? And so it'd be like Max, God put it on his heart and him coming to leaders and saying, hey, I've got this, I've got this motorcycle. I'm going to sell it and where are the needs? Are there needs? Because if there are, I will sell this. They didn't just start handing it over. They'd come to the leaders because it was a huge group community of faith and they go, who's in need? Is there someone you let me know and we'll sell this? I got land. I've got motorcycles. I got guitars. I've got TVs. I've got video cameras. Whatever it is, whatever you need, let's make this happen because there should be no one in need among us. This is what they did. They didn't talk about it. They lived it out. This is what we're supposed to be doing. We are the preview. We can keep talking about this or we can do this and live this out. We have an overflow. So I wanted to give you a few examples from the church just after this early church, of the ways in which they shared, the ways in which they cared for others. Um, in the first two centuries, this is uh, what one person, one historian said about them. See how they love one another. Literal quote from ancient history, from Tertullian, see how they love one another. Um, 
in, by 250, the year 250, in Rome, the Christians were caring for, it, they, they had the number, they were caring for at least 1,500 needy people. They were sending supplies to other churches in the city. Like, they were keeping stats. Why? Because no one ever did it. Do you realize that we have hospitals today because of Christians? There were no hospitals before. It was the followers of Christ that said, wait, this can't be right. We have to do something. And so they took their stuff and sold it to build these hospitals so that the people around them could be cared for because the love of God was within them. The kingdom of God was there. And they looked around and they saw a need and they just said, we've got to take care of this. There's so much that's here today. You go to a thrift store. Oh, yeah, let's go to a thrift store. You know where those came from? For people trying to care for the poor in the inner city. That's where that came from. Salvation Army. That came from a guy in London who was trying to care for the poor and he'd bring him into the church. And you know what the church said? No, don't bring him here. He's like, what? Don't bring him here. So you know what he did? He just started churches in the inner city. And then that grew into the Salvation Army. So when you bring your stuff to the Salvation Army, that's still what they do today. Think of the name. Like when you hear Salvation Army, you just think, oh, that's right, I got some extra clothes. Why? Because they just end up everywhere. So I might as well just give them to someone else because I got to get them out of my house because I got to have my closet clean. But when they started it, it was for that purpose. There are needy among us, and that shouldn't be the case. And so they did that. Um, when you were a believer in the, before, um, before Rome became Christianized, in fact, when it became Christianized, that kind of messed up a lot of things. A lot of this stuff happened before. Um, when you were a Christian before in Rome, if you were a Christian, then you would lose your job. It was like, oh, you're associated with those guys, and they wouldn't hire you. You're out. And so the church would have to take care of those people that would share their faith and lose their job and not be able to take care of themselves. So the church stepped in and took care of them. All right. Let's, and when I say the church, I don't mean they had some big fund. I mean the people. I mean the people looked out for each other. They were connected. In fact, this is one of my favorite. In two, well, the second part is my favorite. first part is bad. In 253, uh, there were these invading nomads that came into Carthage. And they came in, and, and it's just what you think an invading army would do. They destroyed everything. And so there was nothing left. The crops were ruined. And, and these believers were in poverty. And so this guy, Cyprian, went, and he went, and he collected um, money to help them. So who did he go to? He went to a home group. One home group. They had home groups back then. He just went to the home group and said, hey, we need stuff. And all the home group pulled together their stuff, sold it, and gave him money so that he could come and care for these people that were ruined by war. Like we talk about in Pakistan. We talked about a few months ago, the work that we're trying to support in Pakistan and the things we're doing down in El Salvador and the things in Cambodia and the things in San Juan. Like these are our brothers and sisters. They are our brothers and sisters. Think of your own brothers and sisters if you knew they were in need, desperate need. Even if you don't like them. I know you have brothers and sisters. Some of you in here are like, well, I don't want to call them. But if you knew their need, you'd still do it. Because they're your brother and your sister. That's what they did. They went to the home church. Julian the apostate. If you don't know what apostate means, it means he hates Christians. <laughs> this is what Julian, who hates Christians, said. He said, the godless Galileans fed not only their poor, but ours also. He won't even call them Christians, the godless Galileans. So he still doesn't like them. But even he recognizes that these people lived differently. He saw this trailer. He saw this preview. He saw this sneak peek. And he's like, even these people I don't like are caring for their own poor and ours as well. 
that's what can be done. That's what's being done. In fact, they, uh, Tertullian gave a list of some of the examples of things that they were doing. These are things that we could be doing. Now, when I say we, I want to emphasize we as the people of God. Branches, shoreline, heritage, south coast, saddleback, mariners, rock harbor, whatever church that's following Christ, we need to be doing this together. This is the list that uh, Tertullian, the brief list he shared. They supported and buried the poor. They supplied the needs of the boys and girls who were destitute of means. That's another way to say they were reaching out to the teenagers. We talk so much about how important it is that we have people that are going out to the teenagers. We've all been teenagers. We know how destitute that time really is. Even if you enjoyed your teenage years like I did, you have no idea what you're doing. You are on the verge of really blowing it and doing some serious destruction in your life and in others. And yet this church was committed to those boys and girls. They cared for the elderly that were confined to the house. How many of us even know the elderly around us that are confined to the house? Because we just don't know our neighbors. They provided for those who had suffered shipwreck. They gave to those who were banished because of their faith in Christ. They cared for prisoners, the hospitalized, pilgrims. Pilgrims is another way to say foreigners. Those who were crippled. That's what they did. But how did they do it? Aristides, another historian, and in 125 AD, said this. He was describing how the church accomplished all this. Like, how could they possibly do it? He said, if there's among them a man that is poor and needy, and they don't have an abundance of necessaries, then the church, they fast two or three days that they may supply the needy with their necessary food. So even if they don't have it, they just say, well, then we, then we go without. I had that conversation with my boys. Like, somebody came over and they had their food. And I'm like, well, you're going to share it, but I only have this much. And I went, so? And then we go without. Like, that's what the people of God do. We go without so there are no needy among us. And if we see needy outside of us, we do the same thing. This is such a beautiful picture, a beautiful story of what it looks like. And it didn't happen here, it happened in Indiana, but I want to share it because it just paints the picture of what it looks like for us to live this out. Not talk about it, but live it out. So this guy named Virgil, uh, he's an elder at this church in Indiana, it's called Reba Place. I don't really know what the Reba stands for, but Reba's Place. And they had someone that came uh, off the streets, not sure if they were homeless or transient, but they came in and he said, you know, I need some money, this is what's going on, I need a bus pass, so I need some money, can you give me some money? And, you know, he'd been around for a while, most likely, you know, coming and asking for things. And so Virgil said, you know what, let me just share with you about Jesus and what he's done in my life. I want you to know who he is because my life is completely different. And I want to share with you that joy. And he shared that with him. And he said, you know, that's what we are. We're people of God. We want to welcome you to be a part of us. And he said, you know, that sounds good. That's all great. I just want the bus pass. And he'd already committed to give him the bus pass. Like that was already going to happen. He was already going to give him the bus pass. He already told him that. But he shared all this. He's like, nah, just the bus pass. And so he said, okay. And they had bus passes there because this happened quite often. So they had a list of bus passes. And he went, opened the drawer, and pulled out the bus pass. And as he went to put it on the desk, he kind of left it there. And he, he looked at the man. And he said, you know what? You fully just let me off the hook. He said, because if you had committed to following Christ and being a part of this community, like, I would have to give my life for you. 
I couldn't just hand you some bus pass and send you out the door. I would have to like help you get the clothes so that you could go and, and get a job. And I'd have to find people that I know and talk to them. And I'd have to walk you in and I'd have to walk with you through this process. And then I would have to probably find you a place to live because it seems like you don't have a place to live. So I'd have to talk to the people here. And if they couldn't provide, then I'd have to provide. If someone didn't have an extra room, then I'd have to take something out of my kids and move them from one room to another and we'd have to give it to you. I would have to give you my very life if you were part of the body of Christ. But you're second for a bus pass. He took the bus pass and walked out the door. Now, he wasn't trying to, like, manipulate him, but he was trying to, it just occurred to him, like, he really felt like, whew, that let me off the hook, because I don't know how I would have done this, which is what we often think. Like, how would I do this? How can I possibly do this? I don't have anything. But we have so much. This is what the early church did. This is how they did it. I want to close with one more story, and then I'll share a scripture with you. Hudson Taylor, who is a, a hero of mine, he um, was trying to describe his experience with working with the poor out of the country. He was working with the poor, and um, he, his life began to turn upside down. The way he used to live was no longer the way he lived, and this is how he described it. He said, I soon found that I could live upon very much less than I had previously thought possible. Butter, milk, and other luxuries I ceased to use. You ever thought of butter and milk as a luxury? That's what he thought. Of course, it's a different time, but still. And I found that by living mainly on oatmeal and rice with occasional variations, that I could, I could gather a very small sum sufficient for my needs. And then, because of this, his life was changed. He was able to share two-thirds of his income for the poor around him because he just simplified his life. He started going more and more without and this is, you know, we talk about this stuff, but like as I'm looking at these people and I'm looking at these scriptures, this week I had to look at my own budget and I'm looking at it going, okay, like that's a pretty big number for people around the world that live on less than a dollar a day or people who live on less than $2 or even the people around us that are mowing lawns and cleaning homes and washing dishes that are living on much less. Over in Lazanha where um, BT and the boys live, there's like minimum three families per two-bedroom apartment, minimum families living in those apartments because that's how they have to get by. That's why they walk and they're like, wait, wait, there's only four single dudes in this house all to yourself? That's what they thought. Like, how are you pulling this off? BT's not going, well, I'm kind of a big, rich deal. I'm Daddy Warbucks. He doesn't see himself that way, but we are. We are. And so how do we do this? Well, it has to be done. And when it's done, listen to what Hudson Taylor says about after he did this. He didn't go, oh, woe is me. This was difficult, but it was worth it. No, this is what he says. My experience was that the less I spent on myself and the more I gave to others, the fuller of happiness and blessing did my soul become. I'm not going to lie here and say, we are the most generous family I know. You should be like us. Like, we are working every time to try to do a little bit more, but I've never gotten to the point where I've gone, we need to go back. It was really better when we weren't generous. We need, to, we need to take some more of that back for ourselves. Like, it's literally the most selfish thing in our family. We are looking for excuses to give more because it feels so good. It's just so hard. I don't know why, why is something so good so hard, but it is. And so that's why we need to do this in community. 
This has to be done where we challenge each other. So this is your challenge. Today, not tomorrow, not some other time. Oh, we should get to that. But today, right after we break down, you talk about it with God. Like, okay, God, what are you calling me to? What is it that I have that I can live simpler? This sounds great, but this is really hard. Lord, what are you calling me to do? In your family, sit down with your family and discuss this. Not talk about someday discussing this, but actually discuss it. And set that time right now. Before you get out of your chair, while they're playing the next two songs and we're praying, make that decision. In these home groups that we have, discuss in a home group, how do we live this out? What does that look like for us? How can we do something to care for the needy among us, to care about the needy outside of us? How does that look? What can we do? And some of us, let's be very, very, very real here. We are, we're alone. We come in here, we sit down by ourselves, and we walk out by ourselves. So you don't have anybody to discuss it with. That's not God's plan either. He meant for us to live in community. That's why when we push these home groups, that's why we do it. If you look at these groups and you're like, dude, I don't want to show up with a bunch of weirdos. Then you know what? Bring your own weirdos. Bring your own two or three friends. You don't even have to call it a branches thing. But you get together and say, hey, why don't we look at what God's word says? Let's look at that together. Create your own weird group, but be in community. It has to happen because that's what God's plan is, is that we live life together so that we can wrestle with these things and encourage each other and help each other. We rally each other to the causes that we see around us. So that's your challenge. To try to live this out, to not talk about it, but for us to actually be the preview of what God intends to bring, his kingdom come. So I'm going to invite the worship team up, um, and they're going to lead us in prayer. We're going to take an offering. We almost switched the offering because it seemed really inappropriate, almost like we were pushing you. (laughs) But no, just you need to wrestle with this. You need to ask God first. God, what would you have me do? And it might not even be to branches. Of course it might not be here. It It might be to your brother. It might be to your neighbor. It might be to the orphanage we're working with in Cambodia. It might be to that school, um that they're starting. It may be to that little church in El Salvador. It might be to stuff going on in La Casa. But let's pray about it. So can everybody please stand? And I'm going to pray for us. Father God, we truly want your kingdom come, your will to be done. And we selfishly want that joy also. But Lord, may we be able to live this out. May we be able to live this out where we are a people that are caring for the needy among us. Not talking about it, but actually doing it. Lord, we know we're going to fall short in areas, but we ask that your spirit would empower us, that you would um, help those that are quiet and in need to get connected and to feel comfortable enough and trust enough to share, whether it be financial or emotional or physical. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus.